0: Welcome to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Red Light Report. We have now three time guests and and one of my favorite people to talk to on and off the air, Dr. Chris Motley. He is a doctor of uh, chiropractic, similar to me, doctor of physical therapy, but I kind of ramble about red light therapy a lot. As as many of you know, longtime listeners, uh, Dr. Motley's claim to fame is his wisdom and his education on traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture and that kind of side of things. So we'll get into some of that, mm-hmm. I'm sure. But quite frankly, Chris, you don't need much of an introduction. For, and I wanted to say before we start the conversation, uh, for people to want, want to listen to the prior episode, it's it's almost a calendar year ago. I like to do these 12-month <laughs> conversations with people again, apparently. But the previous conversation was March of 2023. We talked about Chinese medicine, acupressure points, some red light therapy treatment paradigm information. But but regardless, Chris, again, welcome for joining me yet again. I know you had a hectic, crazy busy day. So thanks for carving out some time to join us.
1: Brother, you don't even say that. I, I'm so thankful. That I, and I mean that when we talk, it's like you're one of my favorite people. And, and for everybody out there, you know, I love looking at your research, but it's one of those things when you you have a good camaraderie with people, especially like in the social media world, like you know that you will get along with somebody, but I really enjoy and appreciate like the hard work you put into your what you present and what you research on your product. So again, thanks for having me. And I I just consider it a privilege. So thank you, brother, so much. My my pleasure.
0: Well, Chris, since we last spoke or since you were last on the podcast at least. What's new in your world? I mean, it's been a calendar year. Has there been any new changes in
1: your professional life or anything educationally new that you want to share with us? New things that have been coming to the forefront is when we talk about red light therapy and I don't try to just use it because or the master at red light therapy, but in the office, what I have probably needed to discuss with you even more is like when we talk about infrared or red light therapies or even short waves or far waves, um, I've been trying to incorporate red light therapy with my treatments and sessions. So what what I'm trying to say is like, in no way guys, am I trying to say like I'm the expert at this. You know, I needed you, you asked Mike about that. But when there are deep infections, especially when we're talking about Lyme disease or parasites or even like strep type infections, one thing that you'll find when you're you know in practice is that a person may have, like, let's say, always have the hacking cough or a, you know the the mucus that's in the back of the throat. Some some practitioners would say that you need to use um, more liquid herbs or more capsules. Liquid herbs, they say, for the brain and capsules or powdered herbs for the body. Either way, I'm not saying that either one of those is correct. But when you have an infection, though, that's very deep seated within the tissues of the body... Uh, I think one of the most effective or the most effective way is to use a certain frequency or wavelength or light. And I have been utilizing small red light devices. And that's why I love like what Mike produces is because I use a small biofeedback monitor. And many people out there are saying, what are you talking about? If you're listening, what it is is I use a small device that actually can find the areas of the body on the skin where the acupuncture points are blocked. Hopefully this makes sense. But I'll use the red light And i use it at different vectors and angles and what i have found is if i use like kinesiology or this small device to allow me to monitor the acupuncture points i can hold the light at a certain length away from the body or right on the skin and use a different angle or vector vector and the acupuncture points will calm down like you can feel it on the skin that the acupuncture points release and i found that during the last eight months to almost nine months when i really was hitting this hard People's infections were really getting dissociated, brother. They, they were really oh. cleaning them out to the point where some individuals, and it was good, is almost detoxing them too much. And some of the most, I call them pesky or the most um, stubborn of the infections, people now are coming back in and saying, you remember that like Lily heart condition I had where my EKGs were off. I would do this on them. And I'm not saying I'm healing anything, but I would find out that the heart readings would be really good. And they said, yeah, those blips that I've had for 20 years are gone. Wow. Now, that's a testament to the power of red light. So, I am trying to gear more of my therapies with red light and trying to use, again, different angles, different vectors, trying to find a way to like literally get into the tissues with these lights. So, that's a big change for me right now, like how I treat. That's interesting. So, are you using LED red light source? Uh, And LED red light therapies. Yeah. And one of the lasers, like I need to get your input on this too. It's like one of the devices, one of our friends, Dr. Gonzalez, he made a small device with LED and it has different pulse patterns um, on there. It's like six different pulse patterns. Now I have, I have a friend that with different comes that use different types of lasers. And I think that they can have the same effect again, but I would have to test it. I, I can't say that for certain, but the LED, I was thinking, does it even penetrate? But I'm telling you, I am very, very impressed by how much it actually cleanses so when individuals i you may have been kind this brother but sometimes individuals will say well i'll use red light and they just and they just normally think it's just for mitochondrial energy and i'm like that's huge i mean that's the basis of our cells." but i also want to tell people like you know that it cleanses you and they'll say "Yeah, i have a detox it's like you don't realize how much the red light cleanses you of old infections so Kudos to your research, and I'm just saying for everybody out there, when you get into any type of red light therapy or, well, if you have good quality red light therapy, you have to realize that you're disassociating the frequency bond that an infection can have on your cells. So that's the kind of source I would use. It was almost to the point where um, when individuals told me, like, I've had this, like, ear infection, and so I would look for drops, like garlic drops or any type of drops, and I think they work, or using a nebulizer. And I think those are great, but I would, I knew, notice that people, it's really hard for people to always put drops in their ears or nebulize. So I've always loved, you know, red light therapy or anything with frequency lights. And I just started to notice that my, my mentor, he said, hey, remember, it's just like acupuncture in some ways. He says, you just have to find the right angle and the right vector for the needle to go into the skin to create the change you want. And I was like, he goes, you can do the same thing with light therapy. And, and wouldn't you know it? Like I started doing what he asked me, you know, he told me to do. And I am seeing people like literally like little kids, you do light therapy on them and they'll like release parasites and parents coming back saying, hey, there's a ton of flukes in my kid's diaper. It, it really is amazing work. So that's that's the changes, brother, that I've been seeing. Uh, but I get excited because like the therapies that that you incorporate, that you show, it's like you know, you can actually treat, you know, or help people with infectious conditions if you have the right wavelength and you have the red, right light source. So this is like the the area that I get really excited about here in this last few months. Well, that's really cool to hear someone like you bootstrapping
0: on the ground, like putting this to use as as a practitioner. And like you're seeing the real results, the, the quote unquote real results like we're all looking for. It's one thing for me to report about it on a podcast or on social media But it's another thing for a practitioner or someone, uh, just a consumer, using it on themselves and seeing the results for themselves. I mean, it's totally different. So to hear, again, to hear from your perspective, firsthand accounts is is amazing. And I'll just add, Chris, real quickly, um, because you're talking about depth of penetration. Mm -hmm. That is predicated on the wavelength versus the power of the device. So Mm -hmm. the longer Mm -hmm. the wavelength, the deeper it'll penetrate. So regardless of... If you're using the proverbial light bulb for a red light source versus a red light laser, which is much more high powered, if they're Mm. both 660 nanometers, if they're both 610 nanometers, they're going to reach the same depth. One is just going to have more photons reaching that depth in a given time versus the other, if that makes sense. So when you're talking- That that totally makes sense. Yeah. So when you're talking about getting different depths in the tissue, that's going to be predicated on- Using red light and or are you using near infrared and and then even within those spectrums, of course, the longer the wavelength within red or the longer the wavelength within near infrared, you'll be getting deeper penetrations that uh, that way.
1: That's a that's a really good point because I think that um, uh, when when some patients were in, like I would I would try to test different types of devices, and I would think that make completes because sometimes like the uh, the light output of some of the devices. Uh, we're not like the strongest, like, you know, like the highest powered. However, that when I did my type of testing and I was checking it, it was like it It still made the changes. Even, at, you know, like it still made a big change, no matter if it was like a really high intensity or if it. But that makes me think about I need to check. I do usually check all the the wavelengths, but I always find that if you. Have the right wavelength and you had, you know, even the right amplitude. I I always compare it to like if you had hard ground, you know, somebody's digging a hole or something like that in hard ground. But if you had layers upon layers of hard ground, that's like an acupuncture. They say if you took like the needle or took a shovel and you find the right angle, like if you found the soft spots and you dug out of that particular angle, you're going to find a way to get down into the deep layers. And I think it's probably the same way with wavelength, you know, if you find the right little, the pattern, the right angle. So I'm going to pay attention to that, the length of the wavelength. So that's good. And from a mechanistic standpoint,
0: what do you think is going on? Like how is the light interacting with these meridian points to, uh, I guess, increase this flow of energy, right, and, and cause the detox reaction? Do you, Is there
1: something proven or is there some mm-hmm. theories? there's some theory but theories but i i've i've read some reports that when we're talking about not just say infections and then we can go into even like the realm of like emotions or psychological programs they say that there has been research uh in some chinese based uh universities that they they talk about acupuncture and, some, and sometimes they try to almost disprove it and they were talking about how the frequency or the uh emitted light source from like an infection. I hope I'm not getting too complicated, but like, let's say it's a bacteria or a virus. um, Why that infection is drawn to a particular tissue of the body is a whole nother discussion. But they say that, it actually creates standing wave resonance with the tissue. So if like you had strep in your throat or if you had any type of bacterial infection or say a virus that was in a particular tissue, there are theories why that would actually be have an affinity for the tissue. Like they create basically a magnetic force between them. So they, they compare it to like if you're at the, the gym, you know, people do those rope pulls where they're like pulling the ropes up and down. So the wall, when you when you fling up the rope and the rope is like making that wave, it hits the wall and if it's it'll come right back at you. So if you do it enough times, that's what standing wave issue. Like you're having a standing wave,' you're, you're having a fair exchange of energy after a while. The, the wall is actually absorbing and kicking back the energy to you. They say that's what happens with certain types of infections. So you actually get a, a acclimated to it and adapted. So the point they were saying is that in acupuncture, if there was like a distress and that distress created the bond, that the the needle if it's inserted in the right correct way or in a certain angle or put at the very top of the of the actual crest if you put the light in there that it actually would disassociate the the connection with the yeah. the infection with the tissue so if you can actually use a light source and interrupt it that you could actually interrupt the connective pieces between the infection and the tissue and you would actually essentially disconnect the infection from your cells now with acupuncture one of the biggest things i have found is that you can use you know light sources to actually increase the velocity of the electrical signals within the tissue and well, that's another added benefit so you can use it to disassociate those infections uh, from the body but whenever the fascia gets bound up and i've read this and i've seen it on your on your host that when fa- fascia gets so bound up and you can use a light source uh, a red light source to actually help actually make it more malleable the fascia you'll find that acupuncture meridians will travel they, they'll travel quicker through that area and so that tissue so that's when I say increase issue energy because I know we talk about mitochondria which is what we're trying to do but I mean it's amazing how much electrical activity goes actually through the actual fascia exactly and and it and I'll say this I don't want to take too much time talking about it but I'd say that one of the biggest things I've I've seen is that they that the the transmission of the signals that are transmitting emotional signals because they say that the fascia around the organs usually are holding quite a bit of the electrical energy that's transmitting some of your emotional fields or your emotional signals so when you use light sources i find that if i when i do that a lot of people release a lot of emotions you probably see that too and and i've worked on extensively i've tried to use flower essences And different things to try to initiate the emotional response or the emotional expression and using the red light to clean it out. And it's worked really well, really well. At this point, I'm sure you
0: guys have heard of methylene blue, especially if you've been listening to this podcast. You guys have heard me shout from the mountaintops the many benefits of methylene blue. So methylene blue is a major, major mitochondrial booster. It has a lot of similar properties as red light therapy, but they actually work slightly differently as far as how they derive their benefits to the mitochondrial function. A couple of my favorite aspects include the fact that when you ingest it, the majority of the... The methylene blue ends up in your brain. So that's why you see these amazing cognitive, mental energy boosts from methylene blue. It can even stave off or prevent or reverse some types of neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's. This is my second favorite part about it. The methylene blue has this innate sense to help cells that have the most mitochondrial dysfunction first before helping other cells. So not only does it help cells that need the help most, but again, most of the methylene blue ends up in your brain where, as you all know, that is the most mitochondrial dense tissue in the body Body. thus that's why you see all these amazing benefits with the brain with methylene blue and then thirdly red light therapy and methylene blue are major synergists so of course you have your independent benefits when you just use methylene blue or red light therapy but when you combine them together you amplify the benefits of one another and you get the synergistic response so anyone that's interested in red light therapy should at least be considering or looking into the many benefits of methylene blue and as you know by now if you've been listening to this podcast my company biolight has recently released an enhanced methylene blue product that includes certain ingredients like NMN that further boost the energy production of the mitochondria. It also enhances the photodynamic activity already associated with methylene blue by including colloidal gold, colloidal silver, which have their own antimicrobial or cognitive benefits, silver and gold respectively, but they also have their own photodynamic benefits as well. So again, you're amplifying the benefits of red light therapy when you ingest bio blue. Lastly, Fulvic acid helps you absorb anything that you're consuming when you're also taking it with fulvic acid, so it drives everything deeper into the cells. When you take BioBlue, it helps further absorb the methylene blue, the NMN, and the colloidal gold and silver. So you get this enhanced methylene blue product with BioBlue. And so, of course, for my loyal listeners, especially you guys that have listened this far into the ad in the middle of the episode here, I'm going to give you guys an exclusive 15% discount on your order of BioBlue. And you can apply that to a single pack or a double pack or a four pack or a 10 pack. And of course, with a larger quantity, you actually get an increased discount. Simply use coupon code BioBlue15 at checkout. That's BioBlue15 at checkout. And you can snag that 15% discount off your order of BioBlue. So if you're interested in seeing what all of the excitement around Methylene Blue is about from its ability to improve cognition, energy, improve mitochondrial function, and furthermore help mitigate or prevent things like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and depression, pain, cancer, go ahead and give BioLite's Methylene Blue Enhanced product, BioBlue, a shot and see what you notice, especially when you combine it with your red light therapy treatments. Wild. And while we're on the topic of the
1: fascial system, do you use Cupping on yourself or on patients? I do. I I I used to use it quite a bit in the past, and not that I don't think it's great. Now I think that there's cupping devices. I mean, even cupping devices now that you can use uh, to pull out the stagnation. But it's probably one of the best ways to clear out stagnation, especially within the fascia. I wish I did it more extensively, but in the last few years I haven't done it because, again, I've. I've tried to use more light therapies and I've also tried to use, I challenge myself brother. like I know when we talk about stagnation with like blood flow, but I I'll use small devices to see if there's any way I can do it without having to do some of those things. And Not not that I don't sure. love them, but I, I can tell you what though, cupping is probably one of my favorite therapies to see get done and get done on myself. So yeah.
0: No. Oh, yeah. Personally too. I love it too. It's, it's kind of yeah. a hurts so good type of
1: sensation. I don't know how you would describe <laughs> yeah. it. It's, it's a, it's an acquired taste, I suppose. You know what I mean? It is. It's like, it completely is. It's like when people say, what in the world is cupping, guys? It's like when you, they will take depending on which device of cupping is like, if you can imagine those cups and you guys know, I maybe know what I'm talking about, but they'll use like a small, you know, match or something and they'll heat oh, yeah. up the inside of the cup because it pulls out all the oxygen and they stick it on your skin because it's good, create a vacuum. And so the Chinese philosophy is that you'll start to pull the blood up through the fascia and you'll get all that stagnated energy through through the fascia out to the top of the skin some people have like you know caked up blood come out such and and but we've always learned that in chinese medicine whenever you do a cupping or you do any type of gua sha or scraping uh, we're you're always having to check that dermal layer like that second layer like that's one big uh, component of chinese medicine is you you cannot avoid or neglect the the dermal layer. And that's what I'm saying the fascia is very, very important with any type of treatment. In fact, it's like it's probably the primary thing that in the lymph nodes and that I have to make sure it's aligned and call it alignment. It is, you have to align it in the body to get more maximum blood flow and lymph flow.
0: Well I don't know if you saw recently, Chris, but I think it was early January we we released, we being biolite, a red light therapy cupping set. So I probably partly brought it up because of that. So it combines cupping and red light therapy.
1: So you have a cut that that's like when was it in January? Yeah. So just like a month ago at this point. Oh, I got to get that then. That'd be awesome because, like, that's awesome. Like, I think me- it'd be fun
0: for you to kind of tool around and use them on certain um, acupuncture points or just otherwise. Or I'm just wondering, like, if you put them over certain organs, what kind of effect you could see with your patients?
1: Oh, I would, I would totally do it because with some of the biofeedback devices, I would basically check what would be the priority deficient organ, like, like which organ probably has the most amounts and we could put the cupping right over that along the spine where it's related to the organ. Yeah. Send me those things and I'll take some videos of it. That'd be so great. Yeah, I will. And just while we're on the topic, because again, I want to dig just a little deeper while, while we're here, the
0: importance of fascia, especially with your expertise. I know you kind of, we're talking about increased energy flow, communication between the body. I mean, it's a, it's a super highway for communication and energy, right? Uh, but what else should yes. people consider the, or like, why should they feel it's important to take care of your fascia? I mean, that's why yoga is so popular, just stretching in general. I mean, you're essentially just treating your fascia by going through the stretching motions and, and moving your body into positions, like extreme positions. Like it's a it's user that or lose it yes. when it comes to the fascia. Like if you don't move in a certain position, that fascia just tightens up over time and that's how you lose motion. But I'll start, stop rambling. And kind of let you explain from your perspective, why is the fascia system so important to our overall health?
1: Fascia, like there's different types of fascia connective tissues. So guys, we think about like the fascia that covers your bones, like periosteum, and then you have those that cover your your brain and your spinal cord, known as meninges. So if you if you peeled away basically all the, the skin and the muscles and tissues and you left just the fascia, like the connective tissue of the body, you'd have a perfect map and a perfect representation of the whole body, even like the way your face looks, because that connective tissue is, uh, you know, it's made up of different proteins and water and certain forms of glucose or sugars. But what makes it so important is because it conducts electricity so well. And when it conducts electricity, we have to consider that you're actually not only using your nerves in your body as communication pathways, you're using your fascia, your fascia, they have shown in research that there's tendrils from your fascia. And I think we've talked about this before, Mike, but there's tendrils or small little filaments that, that are extending from the actual fascia, and they've shown them to actually go into the cells down into the DNA and actually connect into chromosomes. So they'll say that whatever's happening to your fascial system, your connective tissue, whether you sprain an ankle or hurt a shoulder, that communication is not only carried by your nerve, but, but that filament actually tells your DNA and your chromosomes like, hey, I got an injury here. And so… The fascia is actually a communication device to go intracellular and so when you respect it enough to know that goodness like some people say, oh, I'm just going to have you know do yoga or I'm just going to stretch I'm like, no, you're not just doing yoga and stretching you're literally communicating to your actual internal parts of your cell and what I what I love about that is that when I'm thinking about the binding effect like you say if I had an old injury or if I had a whiplash or if I sprained my shoulder or something of that sort, Whenever you get an injury in the fascia, guys, if it's contorting the fascia in a, I say, a crooked way, and you don't go and try to release that fascial point, you'll have an adaptation. Your body will adapt to the injury, and a lot of times, that fascia will bind up. And it's supposed to be fluid and movable. It's not supposed to be hard and tightened. But in acupuncture, what makes that so detrimental is that your electrical signals that should be going through that joint and probably traveling through the body, probably going to an organ, making the organ feel better and, and creating vitality in the organ gets blocked and basically you can't create that transmission of communication because that's what the fascia is. So when we talk about fascia, I just I don't look at it as just like a sprained shoulder or a strained muscle. I look at it as like communication. And in fact... What I've seen is that when fascia is important, when you're doing a yoga pose or doing like a any type of movement, when some people say they'll do like a mudra with their hands and what they talk about in certain, like, I guess, Eastern practices, it's just like an antenna. If your body has fascia and it's a communication device, that fascia is connected down to the bones, it's connected to your cells. But if you put yourself in a certain form of position, you're essentially trying to create yourself to be an antenna. And if you put yourself in a certain form or shape, you're actually trying to pull in the frequencies from the environment that would actually help you heal certain parts of the body. That's why a certain yoga form is like, oh, this helps the kidneys. This helps nourish the heart. Why? Because you get into a form or a posture that makes yourself an antenna, and that pulls in the frequency, like your bones and your fascia are basically antennas. So, And I, I want to tell everybody out there, when you're starting to do fascia work, like the cupping, like Mike is talking about, when the doc's talking about this, it's like, it's super important, and and I, I'm going really further. But one thing I find, man, is you ever notice when people get injured, and you and I have talked about this before. But those individuals get really, really sad, and they'll have like issues with their emotions. And what you'll find is that their fascia will be bound up around the organs, and the organs don't pump properly, and they don't they don't work at hundred percent. And uh, this is something I need to chew on. But your organ, the the job of the organ. The physical job of the organ is also associated with how you psychologically process your emotions. So let's say you had fascia bound up around your colon, okay, like that lower. What happens, it gets tight and it doesn't move well from an injury or something like that when it bind, binds up. So if you have that signal going into your brain that things are constipated or they're not moving well in life, you can't get rid of your old waste. It will trigger your brain to look out for programs or you, you're going to have those experiences of life where you feel like you can't get rid of the toxic waste in your life emotionally. I'm telling you, it happens vice versa. You'll have it physically and it can go into the psychological aspect and you go, okay. It could also be like in life where you go, I can't I can't get rid of this, this junk out of my life quick enough. It's really toxic to me. That psychologically will tell the organ, slow down. And so- when I, when we talk about the fascial, I get really hyped up about this. I love it. It's because you're not only cleaning up your structure or your DNA, you're actually like going to help your, your emotional fields too. And, you know, even using red light, I, I know some people are like, well, I'll just put a red light on it. I'm like, you don't know how much you're putting out on the body when you do that. So that's why to me, fascia is so important for that whole thing I just talked about. I know it's a lot to take in. And I'll just add to that, Chris. I mean, I appreciate all of that because the
0: Most of that I didn't know. And I always love listening to you because you're so eloquent with the interaction between our emotions and our physical body and the interplay between Mm. the two. It's amazing to me. But the hydration of the fascia, right? So if your fascia becomes dehydrated, whether that's literally drinking water or, or it could be emotions, I suppose, or other aspects of life that dehydrates the fascia, it could be a lack of movement. If the fascia doesn't have that water, it's going to lose its conductivity and el- the ability to send that electric signal throughout the body, right? So I know one of the reasons why cupping works so well is like to your point, you cause that traction and you're helping separate and, and smooth out or make the, the fascia more pliable, which leads to the characteristics, the beneficial characteristics you spoke about. So you're causing that traction, but you're also leading to the hydration. And I don't know if you've thought of this or if you've done it or if you've heard of it, Chris, and I, and I spoke about this during... Um, a solo soda I did a little bit ago about cupping, but if you were to cup mm-hmm. your face consistently, of course you might initially get those dark circles or like those dark colors cause you're removing the toxins and in, in the waste products. But then once you got over mm-hmm. that hurdle and you were to cup your face on a consistent basis, that may be the best anti-aging tactic ever because your skin would be hydrated. You'd have increased blood flow or that consistent blood flow. Um, you'd be keeping the fascia and the collagen happy, uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but it's it's kind of the initial hurdle I agree. is a big one, but the reward on the other side is is looming large for those that are into anti-aging skin.
1: Oh, I, I completely agree. I think when you have the cupping action, when we talk about that dermal layer, you're right. It's like when people have crevices and have cracks on their face, they like, oh, I've got, you know, crow's feeders or that kind of condition. And you'll find, like you say, there's dehydration, and there's so much binding of the fascia between the epidermis, the top layer, and your dermal layer. Your sweat glands and your sebaceous glands and even some of your melanocytes are are crammed underneath there, and they're not breathing properly. They're not getting enough blood flow. And you're right, there's not enough hydration. So you can drink a lot of water and but if you have a bound-up fascia from an injury, like in the skin, on the facial area, it may be hard, like you said, to get the water into the actual dermal layer like because your lungs your your kidneys are really big organs to help you with the diffusion of fluids through your skin. And But that cupping mechanism, like you just said, when you pull and it can actually create space in the dermal layer and the epidermal layer, you're going to put water into that too. So you have to hydrate, and that cupping is, is born on, like you just said, amazing for that and so one of the biggest things that I think that would be the benefit for the cupping on the face to be anti-aging is they always say that we that your facial nerves guys your facial you have like 40 or 50,000 like facial nerve you know endings and your brain is basically expressed on your face so you can have all these lines on your face right and it's like you can have toxicities in your organs and in your brain expressing itself on the face so that's why some people say well I put enough creams and lotions and all these things on my face and they don't really get hydrated. I'm like, well, you're probably not getting water in there because it's so bound up. So that's the beauty of the cupping. It's like, you do that. You're going to open up that space. I think it's a killer. I mean, it's a great idea because I've seen, uh, one of my friends, she uses the, um, she's a a holistic esthetician and she would use those small, you know, she would do some gua sha, but she showed us by example one time, brother, like, uh, putting it on the face on a certain area and she was showing that on this area right here guys it's a small intestine meridian okay Okay. so i was doing you can check on this patient and her small intestine meridian was like super blocked like she would not process her foods very well but it caused breakouts right here on both sides and then even though she's putting stuff on there she took the cupping on there and it popped it all that and i'm telling you her small intestine meridian and her col- her small intestine started operating better because she used oh. the cupping on her face, and that cr- I was like amazed. that's like it, it makes me kind of obsolete. <laughs> it's like it's like in the sense like you you have the the uh, cupping on the face and you can treat the body with it. So you know anybody says oh you're just doing something for your ageless face or something I'm like no you're actually treating your body and you can find a lot out about that. So again, all that to say it's like the hydration aspect of skin in the face. Is brought about by using that infrared light too, because you're going to get rid of some infections too when you use a cupping with that infrared. That's great, brother. That is super great. That's a wild anecdote. I mean, that's kind of like reflexology on your face in a way, right? It is, man. It's it is. Body I love your your face nerves. That's yes, wild. it's it's the best thing I think that you could say for aging because it's it's natural, it's healthy. You're not, you know, you're not going to end yourself, like you said. That's the part, man, brother. It's like getting over the hump. Like anytime you see somebody who gets cupping on their back, they'll say, well, I've got cupping like four to eight weeks in a row. And finally they're going, well, I don't have those stagnation points. And then they'll come in. I'm like, well, your liver's not stagnated anymore. Yeah. And, and so what happens, you have to get over that initial thing and all the black, the circles, the dark black circle will go away. So it's good.
0: And that's the cool thing about using it as a practitioner, or if you're, if you're a patient and you use it on a consistent basis, it's like the proof is in the pudding. If, if you've never done cupping or it's like you've gone a while without cupping and you do it again, or it's your first time those circles are dark and they last a while. And the caveat to that is folks that while the circles look dark and they look like bruises, they're not, they're not tender. They're just, they're just dark, right? They're, they're not tender or Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit after the cupping, but, but really they're not like bruises at all. But again, if you do it consistently, even like once a week or even twice a week, it doesn't take that long before you do the exact same cupping session, same intensity, same locations, and you get virtually no color, and, and to Doctor Motley's point, that's just a sign that your organs and the tissues below are healing properly, and, and that's just a beautiful place to be. It just shows it, it's it's another objective measure in a way. I felt Chris that it proved that a person's tissue or or, or
1: whatnot was healing, and, and they were in a better place, right? It is. I think that that to me is is probably one of the keenest signs of of healing is like, uh, is the skin reflex, you know, like you, like you said, it could be the redness or like some must, but like the coloration of skin is probably one of the biggest things in Chinese medicine we look for. So when you have a dark circle or something and it gets started clearing up, that is our biggest sign. They, uh, the luster of the skin is one of the, uh, the top priority signals they teach us to look at when we're uh, judging a person's health. And when we're talking about facial analysis, I often, that's what I do when patients come in, is I'll look at their face and I look at the creases and the and the lines and I'll look at where they may have some divots or some acne. Um, and so... When you start to use facial, you can use like facial acupuncture, but cupping is so good because again, it's all about sending a signal back to the organ. I mean, all the wires are connected. And so I think it's a great way for anti-aging. And I think that, um, you know, cause many people out there and, and please, I'm not trying to talk about people who get Botox. I have a lot of patients that do get Botox and such, but there's some people who can't handle that, you know, the botulism, you know, toxin to help with the lines. But it's, it's a lot of it has to do with the creasing because of that dehydration. And you say like there's some infections underneath there and you have to create that pool. So everybody out there, you got to make sure that you can separate the dermal layers to help get some water in there. So that's a great point.
0: Well, I'll send you one of those cupping systems, uh, Chris, for you to play around with and, and use on your patients or use on yourself and kind of see what you notice. Um, when you combine it with a red light therapy, and it, it's not an intense Light irradi- irradiation by any means, any means, excuse me. Mm-hmm. But from what I've seen on the market, it's the only red light therapy cupping system that integrates both red and near infrared. Most other cups just use just red light, which again, when we're talking depth, is a very superficial depth penetration. But to your point, you're probably getting some downstream signaling effects. But I was thinking, my first motivation for this, Chris, with the cupping was like crossfitters and athletes, because that's kind of like where cupping became popular with the Olympians and like Michael Phelps is like the the athletic mm-hmm. population and, and I myself like as a as a trail runner or or just exercise enthusiast athlete whatever you want to call me when I get little tweaks or something one of my first go-tos is cupping and nine times out of ten like it'll clear it up relatively quickly if not if not within the first it's yes. kind of amazing. Um so that was my first target demographic and that's why I was thinking well geez if I'm using this as an athlete I want a deeper penetrating light. So I want that near infrared light in my cups because I want to get to the fascia. I want to get to the muscles. I want to get to the bones deeper. So that's why our, our system is relatively unique in the sense we we offer the red and near infrared uh, depth penetration. Again, it's not high. Can I say
1: like... Go ahead. If, if he has like the near-infrared, I think that the, the beautiful thing about that is is like when you say uh, running, like I used to run quite a bit. I don't run as much as I used to, brother. I wish I did, but, you know, maybe it's laziness. Yeah, it, it gets you crazy. But I'd say with the the, the near-infrared, I think it's beautiful because uh, when we cup on a joint, when you pull the toxicities of the joint, one of the, the things that I think is really amazing about your product, about what you've developed is that uh, infections, I know I harp a lot about infections, but when you're a runner or, you know, like when you're an athlete, you if you can stay pretty relatively clean from like infections, that's a great thing but what will happen is like a lot of people who you know eventually get some kinds of buildup sometimes of toxicities but also like microbes in the joint and that's what i love about your products is because you put the infrared and not only will you help the blood flow and the hydration but you'll disassociate a lot of those infections that are in the joint and and when somebody has like an old chronic infection like a strep or a lime or something like that those can get in the joint so to me like putting on a joint that got injured is, is treatment 101, like in a, in a beautiful way to like clean out those old chronic infections. So I'm going to do that. When you send that to me, I'm going to find somebody with the worst knees and I'm going to put those things on there. Okay. So we're going to do that. That's good, brother. That's great. Yeah.
0: yeah, Just give me some feedback when you do it. So I I will, I'll
1: take some video and stuff like that. This will be great. This will be great. That's awesome. Well, okay,
0: Chris, what what else is on the forefront of your mind? Anything that's like topic-wise that you're really excited about or like digging into
1: or any other interesting Mm. anecdotes you want to share? Well, I I think that for those of you out there, like when we talk about frequencies and wavelengths, I think that I'm really excited. There's two things I'm really excited. So the first one is like Um, I try to do a little bit more investigation and topic-wise, like even on like Instagram or social media, I'm really trying to find my way to communicate the psychological uh and we talk about the psyche and how it's representing itself in physiological growth so when i talk we like we talk about physiology we love talking about physiology i can talk i love hearing i'm not great at knowing all like the muscles and tendons i like hearing about it but one thing i've found is that the muscle response or the organ response to like emotional or psychological stress whether it's emotional or just mental stress and the growth patterns of organs. And people say, What do you mean? I'm like, Literally, your organs build up muscle like a muscle, like you, they build muscle as a response to psychological stress. And that's in the forefront. So, what am I trying to study? I'm trying to study and implement in the office, like right here in the room. Like, if I find a psychological or an emotional stress, I'm not trying to just do techniques that say, Oh, I'm going to clear this out. I'm using the red light therapy in accordance with that. And then, trying to find out and send patients off, which I do, like to get like a hydroscan of their gallbladder or go get a spleen test. And so what they do is I try to find out what the growth patterns are, like if they swelled up in response to the stress. So that in turn, people say, why would you want to know that? Because A, it tells me, which emotional fatigue that they, that person is consistently chronically under. So, if it was the spleen or the stomach, I know they probably have overconcern or they're worried too much about somebody else more than they care about their own health. That's normally what it is. Or they've got, they've encountered something, a trauma or stress in life, where they're like, "I've chewed on this, I've swallowed it, like this relationship, but it's gotten my stomach sick, and I gotta I gotta get it out." And that could be over years. So. When I look at like if you do like a ultrasound on the stomach and you start to see all this stuff going on, then you find out that psychological response. As a practitioner, I love it. It's like I could all day and I I know it works. I can do more acupuncture, acupressure, and it does work and doing body work. But if they're staying in that same pot pattern, I mean, there's a physiological growth pattern and I love learning about that. The second thing is rather is when we talk about light therapy, certain devices that I like one of my mentors is, is really great at like, he's like collaborating with devices that actually can pick up on skin static, potential static charges on the skin and that they got devices like this. But I think there's going to be a big, a new revolution along with all light therapy that's allowing us to use like people say frequencies off the body, but literally the static charges off the body to actually give us a certain uh, frequency range to find out what may be going on with that particular area of the dermatome of the skin. And I think there's going to be something in that in our future, brother. Like we we can have different devices that will tell us like a parasite is causing that, and and it could take a lot of the guesswork out of it. So that's where my investigation is going in the future. Future. I hope I'm not vague. Um, so i always been thinking about growth patterns with emotions and what what is expressed in our skin. Like what's expressed in our skin. Like it's our biggest organ. So we have to be paying attention to that. So I think that we're going to have lots of good devices on the way that could divide and there's probably already some out there brother there's probably like you know some that you can actually see on your iphone like for crying out loud we can we can test our blood sugar with with a monitor from our phone and i'm like there's you know people make jokes because i do biofeedback and i'll have a device if you're ever in tennessee i'll show you what i'm doing man when you come down and i'll just do like you know i'm scanning some things on the body and people think it looks a little unusual or you know unorthodox but they'll say, "Well, if you have these devices, is it, does it make me obsolete?" I was like, "I hope it does. And maybe give me a little rest. I think that it's going to be okay after a while." So, uh, those are my forefront, brother. And also, if I'm just downloading a lot, well, on you potentially, um, we're gonna. I'm gonna maybe write some literature. Maybe have like a small book that may be coming out in the next year or so because of you know my buddy Doctor Axe. You know, he's been in, encouraging me to do that over the years, and. Um, I hope that's it's, it's something that could help people, like on a basic level. And I've been doing more videos just to to try to hone hone it in what see what the what do the people in the public what can they use that's very edible and very easy to understand. Right. So those are the things, man. I hope I. Oh, and traveling a lot for work, doing some overseas work, and um, man, I wish I could tell you a lot more interesting stuff, but that's about it, that's, man.
0: That's a, I mean, a book alone is a long arduous process, but I know you yes. have so much information and wisdom to give like i know that that book will be a huge hit when when it does come to fruition as oh,
1: far as your you. international travels where are you going i i'm going to go to dubai i went to dubai last year at the end of last year i'm going again probably within a week or two from this from this podcast and then um i've got some really good clients there possibly i i, I think that i'm going into maybe london as well because i have quite a bit of uh English patients to go consult with. So those are the two spots that I'll probably this year, I'm trying to make sure that I don't overdo it. But I think overseas patients, like I don't want it to sound like it's glitz and glam, it's not. It's actually what it's really interesting to me is like why I go is that you'll find particular patterns, brother, like different areas of the world. They'll all have certain types of different toxicities and infections that are in that particular area. And like the homeopathics will even, uh, practitioners will say, well, America compared to somewhere like in Africa or somewhere like in Europe, we all have different homeopathic remedies that that country usually has certain diseases that affects it the most. Like uh, really, so uh, that's what we're on the, on that forefront met a lot of interesting people. Um, but uh, I'm glad to be able to help. I, I think it's really fun doing uh, some traveling too. So that's good.
0: Yeah. Traveling is amazing. And it, it, like you said, it's cool to pick up those patterns regionally or locally. Cause it's like, at the end of the day, our health is very environmentally based. So you go to London, you'll see a slew of conditions that are similar versus your Dubai versus Tennessee versus even Montana versus Africa. It's kind of interesting to see what longitude and
1: latitude uh, can affect people. in, in Oh ways. man, you're right. You're right. You know what? It's really it's because like even, you know, when you're Montana brother, it's like, I always find that people's immune systems when they're like, uh, I had a friend that just moved to Montana out uh, your buildings. Yep. And, uh, and I'm not saying that they're str- well, I find that like even individuals, like when they're in that windy environment and the cooler environment and such, their immune systems, I- I'd say on the average are a little bit better than the- those here in, in the south-, south region. So you'll-, you'll find like they don't have an affinity for certain type of viruses or if they do have viruses in their body, they don't really express the symptomatology. Yeah. I, 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 and the other thing I've been getting into, I know I know time's short, but I'm saying it's feng shui, you know, like the feng shui where they do the rooms and they make sure the energy moves. I've been studying more about feng shui about in certain areas of the country for certain types of Chinese element signs. You know what I mean? Like if I'm a wood element, like what which areas of the body? And they say that literally the health of the body, the growth of the organs associated with that element, like I would be liver and gallbladder, are more advantageous in this particular area. Uh, for this this type of element i think that's really really interesting because think about it man it's like somebody comes to you and go hey doc i'm doing pretty good but uh you know i i i literally have had people do this so they go i moved to this area and i've got cavities wow didn't change anything i've had three or four cavities and i'm like and they moved to what? i'm like what did what did you do They're like no, nah. it's like but in Chinese medicine world, they would say, you know what? It just shows that your your electrical patterns are are skewed by the area you, you may have moved in. And where's the biggest voltage is in your teeth. So those things are really interesting to me, man. I mean, I know they're like kind of picky, but think about it, man. If you and I retire, like we better get in a spot where we're like, our energy's the best, you know? Like I don't want to, yeah, you sure. know, we got to have our teeth.
0: Come on. Sure. That That's wild. Back to the skin, because I found that topic you mentioned Interesting. Using the skin to kind of, I guess, read the body in a way—is that what you're alluding to? Yes, um, very much so. Let me pick your brain with this skin issue from a from yeah. your expertise and mindset. A person with chronic plantar warts—is that representing for a particular reason? And
1: if you have, let's like, like on the like right?
0: in the particular areas. Of- Let's let's say you've tried A, B, and C remedies, including like holistic and biofeedback and all these different alternative uh, treatments, but they still persist. Is, is that showing up in the body for a particular reason? The, the plantar warts, and then warts even all on other parts of the body, like the finger. Yeah,
1: that's a really good question because that's one of the struggles to have, like any type of papilloma viruses or any type of pox viruses, uh, usually on the plantar area of the foot. It depends really truly on the area of the foot. Okay. So I don't want to get confusing for the listeners. Usually if there is a wart, like let's say, can I give an example? Like on the ball of the foot, okay? Is there a, pro- you know, a purpose? So like over here on my on my chart over here, I wish I could show it to you right over here. There is areas and maybe I could pull it up, but I'm not going to do that too good. That's That's too much to do on this podcast. But on the ball of the foot, if you had it, that is a stomach area. So when you find a purpose for something, like if you had a plantar wart and you said, I did all the holistic area, it's a representation that there is probably a dysfunction within the stomach to give you an indication that the stomach is overworking. That's why I'm telling you with the plantar wart. Like some people say, I want to get the plantar wart out. I want to get it cut out. I want to get it done. I'm saying, no, what are your foot? If it's in the arch of the foot, which hardly ever happens, it may be in the kidney. And I'm going to get a point. If it's on the outer edge, it could be the liver or gallbladder, but wherever that wart is, if it infected that area, and people say, well, it goes up into the the nerve of the foot. I get it because maybe you did get a virus, but what would make your sole of your foot so soft and so, you know, uh, ready to be infected that that wart came in, you know, like that virus? Usually it means like, let's say it was in the ball of foot or near the ball of foot. That would tell me that the stomach is overactive It'd tell me the stomach is like you having some form of traumatic event in your life that you're going, oh, stomach's weak, or you have constant nausea, or you have acid reflux. That's the point you have to take care of because if you have that psychological programming and then those infections get in there, you will represent most of the time. I can't say all of them. This is not necessarily five, is what I've seen, that you'll usually find like a plantar wart in an area of the foot because of the organ imbalance that that foot part represents. That means this, and you, I have treated them. I would give somebody like a good antiviral, like it's called woad, Wode or Chinese isotis. I've given them rosemary and it's killed it off. But what it really was is when I narrowed it down was that planter wart was connected to the organ and I went and nourished the organ. So instead of trying to kill the virus, it's about nourishing the organ. So I hope that that's how I view it. And it, it works pretty well when it, when you do that, you know, because people are always taking like, tons of anti warts and antiviral okay. and it sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Well
0: that's basically like what you're doing is treating the root cause versus like kind of putting a bandage on on
1: the the visual manifestation, right? Like you're going to the root mm-hmm. cause it's interesting. That's right. It's right. I I love it. And, and you always have to t- like the skin, remember it's just you always take the skin. This is really like it's just like monkey on a computer. You just sort of think about it. It's like area of the skin, uh if it could be reflexes like it's related to or the acupuncture point. Right, and look at the texture of the skin, and, and see what the what it looks like. Yeah, same thing for the hands or fingers too. Like
0: whatever innervations it would be related to, relative yes. to location on your hand or palm or fingers, or what have you. Same. Yes, same it's,
1: it's it, it definitely like in Japanese Japanese acupuncture and Korean hand acupuncture, they'll use the hand like an aardvark. They call it the aardvark. It's like the middle finger is your neck, and you have your right and left arm and right and left leg. Yeah. Now. If, if you find like a wart on the hand, like, okay, example, when I was a kid, man, on my left hand, I had a wart right here, okay? And it, it wouldn't go away for the longest time. But if you look in Chinese medicine, that that wart usually has to do with your heart and your pericardium. And that area right there, and I also had a little bit one that was near, there's a heart and the pericardium on the inside of the, of the hand. So that wart represented to me that there was probably something in my circulation system in my heart at the time. So I had I had a viral infections in my heart. I probably had Epstein Barr virus because I do have I had it like heavily. My mom had it heavily, so that's what it is on the hands. I always say you can use that Chinese or I mean the Korean or the Japanese topographical hologram of the hand, but follow the acupuncture meridians and wherever that wart or wherever that skin area is, like even if it's psoriasis, you would not believe how many people have like psoriasis right here in the web of the hand, and that's lung and large intestine. And I'm telling you, brother. You and I, I can't always see you and I believe it. I got to stop saying it. <laughs> there are times when people have gone and got their, their, uh, uh, little kids are the best and they have this psoriasis and they're like, it doesn't go away. And that's the lung and large intestine. Their thumbnails are even crusted over. And I go, this just show me that there's a lung issue. Yes. The kids like they have to use albuterol. Mm. They'll go and we get them tested and they'll get an x-ray of their chest and like, oh, they have, they have pneumonia in the right part of their lung never were they ever show you know they but that's the skin the skin right. tells you those things so you have to pay attention i mean really man it's like whenever people think like uh, dr molly he figures something out and i'm not patting myself on the back i'm saying really it's like just looking at chinese medicine books and go hey that's associated with this so i think we need to get this checked out you know so anyway skins skins tells the story man it does brother dr motley the the master of connecting the dots i love it <laughs> No, I appreciate it. I mean,
0: that's why I love having these conversations with you because you open up doors and, and connect us that like I never ever would have otherwise uh, been connected. Oh man. I'm like, glad. This is good. I love our
1: combos, man. This is so good. Yeah. I love it.
0: Well, Chris, any last thoughts before we sign off here? You've already divulged quite a bit, but any, any last sign off thoughts for the audience?
1: I, I, I say this because I, I do like to brag on you, but I think that when we're talking about light therapy, as I sign off uh, taking measures to to keep your health in your own hands is a really good way like i'm not saying you don't go and get your primary care doctor or get their advice or go to a good chinese medicine doctor or a holistic practitioner um, but what i found is that trying to really research your health that's my my thought for you guys i put a lot of education out there but the reason is because i just want to i just want people to try to get stimulated to the point where they're like i do notice that about you know myself or somebody else and when you can take, like, you know, light therapy or cupping and do something on your own and see the results, I I just encourage everybody out there to – that part of your health, you need to, like, try to take charge of. Because as you get older, you know, like, nobody else is really going to do it for you. So I just encourage you guys to to look at all the different new alternative therapies and that have been proven. I, I mean, frequency medicine, light therapy, and all this is coming up to the forefront. And I think it's the cutting edge of the future. So – um. Don't don't be left behind. That's all I'm gonna say. You know, you just follow, follow Mike and follow. by a red light. And just keep going forward, guys. And uh, that's just my two cents. I'm gonna keep using light therapy for my treatments every day, every single day. I'm in the office. I use it. So awesome. Well, appreciate those. That's thoughts.
0: it. I'll I'll add all your socials that we have for prior podcasts to the show notes. Is there any other websites or anything else anywhere else people should go to learn more?
1: Uh, from you and about you, maybe you have some educational things coming out, or currently have educational pieces. Like I'd say, you could do the Ancient Health Podcast. Ancient Health Podcast yeah. is on Apple and Spotify. I do have memberships that you guys can, if you want to, or a subscription type thing where we do some videos, and that's on my my link in my bio and Instagram. But um, Instagram. Okay. but I, I have been finding like you guys check out the the podcast and I and check me out on Instagram. I try to do as much consolidation of information as I can, and we may be putting out um, different courses this year. But again, all very edible. And that's where you guys find me, drmotley.com. I'm actually redoing my website to make it look really archaic. I want to do it in, on purpose is because I, I think it. websites now, you know what I mean? Websites now, I mean, it's okay, but websites get so complicated now. I just like, I was like, I'm going to redo it to make it look like just super, super simple. It's in no resonance because
0: we're, we're both updating our websites then. I'm <laughs> going through the same process. Yeah, I think us right. is more sim- simpler is better. But yeah, to echo Dr. Motley's thoughts um, or maybe just give him some some more flowers, check out his Instagram. It is a wealth of knowledge. You could spend days and weeks and months scrolling through his feed and watching his reels. And he's just like a limitless well of knowledge. So please go check him out on Instagram mm-hmm. uh, and, and all of his other educational offerings. And then um, hopefully a book in the next couple of years. I'll I'll be your first reader, Chris, for sure.
1: Oh, man. Thank you, brother. You're too kind. Oh.
0: Oh, I I'm sure we'll do this so again, much. Chris. I mean, we'll do some Instagram lives here coming up on Instagram, so we'll have some more conversations. Yep. Uh, but as always, appreciate your time, man. And Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. 100%. For Dr. Chris Molly. this is Dr. Mike Belkowski signing off another episode of The Red Light Report. You all have a good and wonderful week. Thank, Thank you for listening, listening to The Red Light, Red Light Report. Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of Red Light Therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, BioLite. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.